What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada Athletics, episode 159. I'm your host, Matt Hennepin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Burroughs. Isaiah, what's going on, man? How's it I'm going? Doing great. Life's good. Weather's good. Sports is good. Weather's How... not good. It's been getting I'm better. Inter- I'm going to purposely interrupt you. It's not good. It's been getting better. Yeah, Has sun... it? Sun's out right now. It was raining this morning. We need it. Nope. I don't blame you there. I'm not a big cold weather fan. Oh, well, I, okay. I, I say that we the environment needs it because of the drought. I don't need it in my life because I don't like rain. Totally with you. How um, are you doing more importantly though? Um, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Aside from the weather. I'm just kidding. That really, I, yeah, no, I'm doing fine. It is the week that you and I have both been waiting for. We both had this circled on our calendar. Fresno State week. Um, It's not UNLV week yet. That's actually next week. Bring the cannon. Day weekend on Friday. Um, but guess what? We have Nevada has a lovely date with Jay Kaner and the Fresno State Bulldogs on the road. Nevada's two game home stint has now ended. Um, they will return back for the UNLV game on Friday, October 29th on Nevada Day weekend. It's kind of weird how Nevada's playing UNLV on Nevada Day weekend. But um, nevertheless, Nevada will be playing Fresno State this weekend on the road um, at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We get a little bit of an earlier game. Um, on Fox Sports 2 or on Fox Sports 1 if the ALCS uh, Game 6 does not go to a Game 7. Um, that'll be, I think, tomorrow on Friday? That, that tomorrow. Game 6. So um, Nevada opened up as three-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, I think when I looked at William Hill this morning, it was minus 145. Or not, it was uh, plus 165. Um, Fresno State was minus 145. Um, but anyways... Not super surprising considering Nevada is on the road for this. Um, Nevada is five and one, um, two and zero in conference play. Fresno State is five and two, um, two and one in conference play. So I mean, they're both two of the top teams in the West. I don't think that's up for debate. Also, with San Diego State, who's undefeated, um, those three teams kind of control the West right now. The 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 Mountain Division's a little bit like murky. Boise State's three and four, which is like just completely unexpected. Utah State looks really good. Air Force is six and one. Air Force, very good team. Although Utah State almost did lose to UNLV last weekend. But anyways, I digress. Nevada beat Hawaii 34-17. We'll be getting into that a little bit. Isaiah, what happened in – I'm going to shut up. What happened in fall sports? This- no, I know it's a big time in Wolfpack football, and we'll be getting into basketball. But first, weekly spring sports recap. Spring, see? Not I'm spring, sorry. It's, it's the fall. sun's outside. I got it messed up. Weekly fall sports recap, as always. Um, we still need the music for the spring sports and fall sports recaps. I, I hope I don't you know. know. Someone needs to get that to us. Like, I ASAP. will. Isaiah I, just screaming into the mic, just screaming spring sports. But we got to do, we also got to do the fall sports. Let me tell you. Again, I will. I'm, I'm going to shut up again. Sorry for interrupting. I'm ready for it. I don't know if the, uh, the listeners are ready for it, but I digress. Women's volleyball had a one-game stint against Fresno State. They got swept. They've been swept in each of its last four games. It's just been a rough going at this point. Um, need to get the tires turning a little bit, as we mentioned last week. It's just been a rough year, and hopefully they can finish strong at this point. Uh, women's soccer lost two games on the road to Colorado State and Wyoming. It was a little bit disheartening to see because we were seeing them pick up a little bit, play a little bit better throughout some home matchups, but losing to Colorado State 3-2 to and losing to Wyoming 6-1 to just not the best showing by any means. Um, good thing is we've seen some offensive performances by Casey Crawford. She had her first of the year. Trinity Sandridge, true freshman on the team, um, 
she had her third goal in the 49th minute. She's been one of the better offensive forces this season, someone to keep an eye on for sure. It's it's just been a little bit tough in terms of the loss to Wyoming, 6-1. to one. Wyoming had 19 shots. Nevada had just eight shots, five on goal. Just a little bit of a dominant performance by Wyoming, one of the better teams in conference. So, you know, just coming off a couple of high hope performances, we've seen them string together some better defensive performances and high scoring matches. It's been tough to see. Just something to keep an eye on for sure and something that hopefully they can rebound from. Yeah, and that game against Wyoming doubles the amount of Nevada pre- previous season high was three, and that happened a couple of times. Um, and now season high is six. I mean, it doubles the previous season high, so it's just not a good performance. I think it's a little bit of an aberration, but I don't expect to see that really at all for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, we're expecting things to return to the mean one way or the other, so hopefully things kind of kick in our favor. I hate the pun right there. Oh, my but goodness. That's, you've, it's been, bad. you've been really punny. It has. It, ever since we've talked about Hawaii, it's just I've been in a weird maze and a weird days. Let me tell you. Well, you still on the coconuts thing? Yeah. <laughs> Women's golf finished second out of 15 teams in the Ram Classic in Fort Collins. We had some pretty strong performances. Leah John and Anitra Koth both finished tied for third. Some of the serious strong performances, Victoria Gailey finished tied for sixth. Those were your top three finishers of the event. Really good performance throughout. That was a strong performance, something they can certainly build upon, and it was the highest finish for the team since the Mountain West Championships, where they finished second in 2019. So this is a huge, huge performance for women's golf. They deserve a lot of love. They finished as a plus 17. The only team that finished higher was Cal Poly. They leaped three spots in the final day, finishing with a plus three. So they got the tiebreaker at plus 17 for the higher finish. But just a strong performance by women's golf throughout. Uh, Really, hopefully that's something they can build off of as well. And that was just something that was a big way to end the weekend. And they performed so well. Yeah, it it was crazy because, I mean, Cal Poly, they had the plus three on the final day. Nevada finished plus 17. Cal Poly finished plus 12. Nevada had a plus 20 on and that was, I think, the second best in the group, one of the best in the group, um, of the group of 15 teams, I mean. But it was it was still, like, a pretty, like, Nevada almost, almost like, finally entrenched itself into that first-place spot, which, again, hasn't happened in, in a while. But at least they were able to get second, which is, again, as you mentioned, the first time and since 2019, first time since April of 2019 that's happened. Yeah, it's a big-time performance, and I just – Big time. It deserves some recognition, and everything that they've put on the grass to this point has been pretty darn good. It's been a good product to this point, and yeah. um, something to really build off of as the season progresses. Really, really strong performance. Some of the other sports that happened this weekend were men's tennis and women's tennis. The men's tennis completed in the Northwest IT Regional Championships in Morocco, California over the weekend. Um, there was three doubles teams that got through the opening round before losing in the round of 16 because it started in the round of 32. Uh, for doubles, um, it had three play had three uh, players win singles, um, one of which advanced into the round of 16, while two others uh, got bounced in the round of 32. Um, women's t- women's tennis competed in the Mountain Regional Championships in Las Vegas. Um, Nevada had one competitor who defeated a couple Mountain West foes, but advanced the and but lost in the quarterfinals. Uh, she won, I believe, her first three matches. Um, before losing to uh, a, a competitor from Utah. And then we had another one who uh, lost in the corner finals and then in the doubles, in regards to doubles, Nevada had two uh, two doubles pairs um, 
lose in their first two matches or their first matches. Um, and so not a, not really a bad weekend for uh, tennis, especially since it's the regional championships. You're going to get the best of the best there. But anyways, let's jump into football, um, the biggest story. And we're also going to hit on basketball a little bit because uh, of the practice on Saturday. I mean, that was a lot of fun. You want, do you want to start with basketball? Yeah, just... why not? I mean, it's rolling around the corner. <laughs> yeah, it is around the corner. They had the practice on Saturday. Observations. Yeah, observations for – it was for – only last like two and a half hours, but um, they sat on the schedule like it was for three. Um, that was they – they need to do that in the future. Like I, th- I really, that was a lot of like there was a there's a pretty decent crowd. Um, I I was kind of just in my own little area, so I wasn't like around people, but I was like in the second like kind of not the second deck, but like you know how they have like the below seats. Oh yeah, you're yeah, up in there. I know I was like up. I, I was like above. Okay, you're a row like above. Second, or yeah, I was yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit farther away. It was kind of harder to hear the players and um all for talk, but although like. Music when the music wasn't on, like you could anyone could hear all for talk throughout the game. But anyways, um, a couple observations that I found. Um, I think you and I, you and I talked about it off air a couple weeks ago about what you think Nevada's projected starting lineup was going to be. I had Sherfield, Cambridge, Coleman, Brahma, and uh, Warren Washington. That was like kind of my five. That's what I think. I I think they should do that. Um, although the spacing there's a little bit murky with Coleman, uh, Brahma, and Washington, I don't know how they're gonna configure that. But the obser- the br- the very brief observation, the one practice sample observation that um, I have is that Baker's gonna be starting at the four um, instead of Brahma, and they're gonna have they're planning to have Keenan, Brahma, and Himes come off the bench. Wow, and that's not super surprising to me considering um, Alfred's experimented with two bigs in the past. Um, he had he started lineups with Meeks in Washington. He had started lineups with uh, Himes in Washington. Like he's gone, he's gone two bigs um, for a lot of the time that he's been here. Um, I think he went with like like when John Carlos was here. I think he went with uh, John Carlos and Himes a little yes, bit. Yes, he John did. Carlos and Meeks. And so like it's not surprising that he's going to have two seven foot bigs in the lineup. I think Baker can kind of take that Meeks role. Like he, we heard about his how he's a good shooter and how he can space the floor. Um, the eye test on Saturday proved that. Um, there was a few times where Alfred was just like, hey, like, just don't be afraid. There was a little bit of hesitancy sometimes, but, like, there were times where uh, Alfred's just like, hey, like, that's your shot. Like, hoist it up and, um, like, just a couple times from the corner. But I think... I think he could he could kind of fill that Meeks role of like being that floor spacer, kind of op- opening things up for Cambridge, for Grant, for Coleman, and for of course Warren, and who's going to be in the paint and the low post and on the dunker spot a lot of the time, um, and in like when he like dives to the rim and everything, it's just going to open up lanes and alleyways and um, room for the, all of them to maneuver. So I think that's like kind of their plan right now. I mean that again complete guess i don't think anything's set in stone alford's experimented with multiple lineups and in the past i don't know how much of that's going to translate to this year because there's not as much roster turnover he knows kind of knows what he's got i mean he has the three that he wants with uh sherfield cambridge and washington it's just kind of filling in that final two spots does he want i mean you can maybe pencil in coleman there too 
just kind of feeling out that final four spot to see like kind of what he has in the front court and like how he wants to experiment with that. He did use a lot. I, I, another like combination he used was, I mean, not really the same thing, but like Washington and Robbie. I mean, I know Robbie's six, seven, but he did that when he was here as well. Not as much last year, but he did that two years ago. I mean, so just like kind of those different like combinations that uh, Alford could do. I think, again, I don't think anything's set in stone. I think he's going to like maneuver lineups around, especially starting fives. And another observation, I think the biggest observation I tweeted this from the Pack Center account is this team's going to be really deep. Like this team's got seven, eight guys that could start. Like I think we talked about on last pod how like Corey Bennett said that and like how we were kind of thinking that we were kind of along the same lines. But like I think it's, it's legit. It's legit. Um, and, I mean, those eight guys, I mean, the, the five that we just talked about, Sherfield, Cambridge, Coleman. Uh, Brahma. Brahma. Baker. Baker. Washington. Washington. Himes. Like, all of those guys can start. Keenan Blackshear, um, who we'll get to in a little bit, but I think he looked really good on Saturday as well. Um, just all of those guys can start. And so, again everything's fluid like i don't think there's going to be one particular starting lineup that alfred's going to stick with the entire and of course like knock on wood this doesn't happen but like injuries injuries might happen there might be times where um someone misses a few games and so you're going to have to insert different starting lineups with different combinations but just from what i got from saturday in short i know i've been rambling a lot um that i think the starting five as of right now October 21st, 2021, it's going to be Sherfield, Cambridge, Coleman, Baker, and Washington. No, I like your observations. And I thank you for bringing all those to the table because, like, you know, just seeing what your eyes see and bringing it to the forefront means a lot of things. And I really believe that Will Baker to the starting lineup gives us some flexibility offensively. Like you said, it's almost as if he inherits that Zane Meeks role. And we know how valuable he was. Uh, I miss Zane. Yeah. I mean, team's leading rebounder. I mean, we one of know the team's best three point shooters. And we wish him. I know we said it on the bet last podcast. You know, podcasts prior, how much we wish him the best of luck. He's going to be a great player, and we knew how impactful he was as soon as he steps on the floor. And if Baker can kind of, um, you know, consume that role and take over that role, especially on the offensive end, it only opens up more lanes for us in other ways. And I'm really excited to see that. I'm glad you said he looked. Maybe a little bit of hesitancy to pull the trigger a it's, little bit, but yeah, it's a practice. Like, I think I'm not gonna put yeah. too much stock into it. I think that's something. I mean, I'm gonna put stock into it, but I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, like he's gonna be hesitant. Like that, yeah. no, it's not. I think that's something that's gonna be eased into. Yeah. And we know the talent of Will Baker. It's been talked about so much. You know, the transfer from UT, a former five-star recruit, has all the talent in the world. I'm so excited to see that. And just what you said too is the biggest thing that takes away is the depth. That's something you want to talk about experimentation with lineups. When Alfred gets in the lab, like a mad scientist in a way, he really does incorporate different lineups, different sizes, different lineups for certain situations when he wants to get out and run, when he really wants to lock down on the defensive end, when it's more of a half-court setting. We've seen Alfred experiment with some of these lineups, and in the process, we've seen players shine. You know, Trey Coleman stands out last year because Alfred literally thrust him. You know, he believed in Coleman, and giving him those types of valuable minutes to earn a role with the team, and which he ultimately did. And just having more depth, having more talent come into the fold this year, I think it only opens up more opportunities for guys and gives us new seasonings and new spices to really work with. It's a big pot of 
basketball jumbo. I'm cooking over here. It's <laughs> stu- That's one of the dumbest things I've said. Yeah, but yeah, you get, get Ed Ogeron some Nevada basketball gumbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just it just goes to show just the the team construction is finally we're starting to see it kind of come together in person and it's really exciting because I I think you're absolutely right how there won't be one set lineup throughout the course of the year. It's going to be matchup based a lot of It's not how basketball works. It's not. Game, I mean, it's it's playing the hot hand especially in college basketball where wins count and wins count early. So I'm excited. I mean, you know, just having that amount of size in the front court is always nice to have and returning some of our most valuable starters from last year who we know can put the ball in the bucket. It is an exciting mix of talent that I can't wait to see unfold. Um, another observation. I don't know how how much this is going to translate, but like Des looked really efficient. That's good. like he was a lot, a lot of catch and shoot, a lot of like there was times like the second half of practice, especially where he just was not missing a three. Like there were just kick, a lot of kickouts, a lot of him just creating, not creating his own shot, but uh, finding the dead spots, finding the open areas um, on the floor, and uh, doing what Des does best, and that's hoisted up, um, open or otherwise. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he doesn't like confidence. That's um, a great thing. Not at all. That. Not at all. Um, Another Keenan Blackshear, he was getting a lot of first team uh, lead ball handler reps. I kind of expected those to go to Foster. We, I'll be honest, Foster, I didn't see much of him at all on Saturday, which was really interesting. I don't know if there's anything behind that, but um, a little, not a scoop, but it's just an observation. I don't remember seeing a lot of Foster on the floor, um, but Keenan got a lot of lead ball lead. Ball handler ups. It was funny. There were multiple times where it was like Alfred was like telling him like, "Hey, push the pace," and he's just kind of waltzing his way up the court, just trying to get everyone set. Um, kind of, kind of slowing down the pace a little bit just for their half court offense. And Alfred kind of wanted him to like push the pace a little bit and like kind of like put in a year. Not that it would have made much of a difference because I mean the defense was set, the offense was out there. He was just kind of just bringing the ball up the floor, just observing what he saw. Um, again, about ready to get his team into. Yeah, the offensive set just kind of initiating the offense, and you, <laughs> there are times where Alfred was just like, "Come on, let's go," and uh, he was just like, "Okay." But then, like, he was he he was really impressive. He has he has a nice shot. He made some really nice passes. Um, he has it was he's got long strides, and so like he can get up the court with like he when I watched him on YouTube, um, when he was at Florida Atlantic, he he. It looked like just in the limited sample I saw of him at Florida Atlantic compared to Nevada, he looks much quicker. Again, I probably didn't I didn't watch like a whole lot because um, there's not a whole lot out, not a whole lot of Florida Atlantic basketball out there to be honest. Um, um, but like he looked he looked quick, um, and I'm interested to see how that develops for him. I don't know if that's going to be the same like continuing role. I'm guessing they're Alfred's just trying to like get him comfortable and mold him in that um, area. Because I don't know if he was like that when he was at Florida Atlantic, getting those lead on ball reps um, at the point guard spot off the bench. I um, mean, he's going to cut. He and Brahma, um, who, oh my God, is incredibly athletic. And then Himes are kind of be kind of the offensive generators off the bench. And you could insert, like, I don't know if they're going to stagger him as between Sherfield and Cambridge. Like, I mean, they're going to, but like, I don't know how much. But, anyways, that was another like interesting thing that I just didn't think would happen. Um, AJ Brahm is a f- freak, freak of nature, freak of nature athletically. 
Um, he's a gazelle running up the court. Um, just in one, like you can just like you can just see. I mean, we saw on the tape with like when he was at Robert Morris, like all like the dunks that he had. I mean, he's six seven, um, and we just saw like his activity around the rim, like rebounding wise. Um, he averaged over ten a game in his in twelve games at Robert Morris last year. Um, he's just a freakishly athletic guy. Uh, that's something that offered like that. There's going to be a lot of like times where he, he's going to get a lot of fast break, like oops and dunks, and it's going to be a lot of like fun to watch. Um, that's my my very educated guess heading into this year. He's going to be he's going to be a fast break savant. It's going to I I genuinely do think like it's it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. No, and that's one of the things I'm glad you mentioned once again is maybe trying to get this team out in transition more. Yeah, we have the athletes to do so, and Brahma seems like especially in that second group he really has maybe he can really separate himself with those types of traits that he brings to the table and just based off your description he seems like a dude yeah no he's a dude and that's something kind of we needed was you know we have big guys we have size we but it's sometimes limited mobility in certain areas and it looks like brahma can bring the full package in that regard and that's exciting. He was, yeah, he was pretty good defensively. He was hitting more threes than I thought. He wasn't super efficient when he was at Robert Morris. Um, I don't think that's going to be his role. Like he, he had, he had a few step back, like seventeen foot jumpers that were just like automatic almost. And so it's like, there's something that we got something there. Like, and of course, when you look at his statistical profile on paper, you kind of knew like, all right, this guy's going to be an upgrade over Robbie Robinson. No up disrespect to Robbie Robinson, but. He, or Robbie rebounds, as we famously like to call him, but like he's certainly going to be the upgrade. Just how much? And I think it's going to be a pretty like no again no disrespect, to Robbie. I think it's going to be a pretty big upgrade. Like this guy's, this guy looked really good. I'm happy to see that. Happy to hear that. I should say. And no, like you said, it looks like the second team can generate some offense, generate some plays know, on their own, yeah. and that's something to get excited about because last year it was a lot on Grant and Dez's shoulders scoring wise mm-hmm. and. Um, just trying to string together timely stops and getting those buckets consistently was sometimes down the stretch was difficult. So having guys who are comfortable just letting it rip and you know putting the ball on the floor and being able to create scoring opportunities on their own as well as for others, it's a big thing. And like, if that gets started in the second, you know, and you know this playing basketball, if it gets started from the second unit, it bleeds, yeah. as you say. That that type of movement and energy translates to everyone on the floor, and it becomes contagious. So Yeah, and it obviously leads to more victories. Mostly. More wins, baby. Yeah. That was, more dubs. Yeah, more dubs. Um, but, like, <laughs> like, I can really see Brahma leading this team in rebounds off the bench, at least on a per-minute basis. Like, I really think he'll be that productive when he's in the game. I, Like, my, my initial, like, projection in my head is, like, he could be a 10-6 and six guy. Yeah, that's a lot. That's efficiency right off the bench too. Like as if he, especially if he's that like sixth, seventh guy off the bench, get a lot of minutes for uh, Baker and um, Washington. Like I think Alford's going to experiment with like him being as like the small ball four and like, what if he's like the small ball five at sometimes? Like I don't know. Can get a little spicy. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see him and David Roddy just battle it out for like a (sighs) hundred rebounds a game. Um. Speaking of Colorado State, They're before good. before I jump into my final observation, um, Colorado State was voted as the team to finish first in the Mountain West preseason poll. San Diego State second, Nevada third. Grant Sherfield was picked to win Mountain West Player of the Year. Um, 
So that says something. Congratulations to those to that. Final observation. I'm kind of like I'm kind of diverging away from like the obvious of like Grant looked really good. Des yeah, looked really yeah, good. Des. We know those um, guys. It's. More, I mean, I know yeah. I mentioned Des's efficiency. I think that's something that uh, we would hope out of him. Um, because again, there's times where he just doesn't lack confidence for better or worse. But I, like, obviously Des is the second best player on the team, um, behind Grant. Final observation. I texted this to you because you've been on this for a while. KJ Himes is like. Sneakily extend not sneak. He's extending his range. Like he he's he is at least on Saturday. He definitely showed the ability to stretch the floor um and take threes more than he did, more than he has in the past. And I think that's just a continuing development of his game. Um I don't remember him missing a three. That's awesome. And he took a bunch of them. And that's one of the things... In scrimmages and in, like... I mean, yeah. I'm sure he did, but, like, in scrimmages and in warm-ups, like, he was very efficient, especially from above the break. Like, he wasn't shooting a lot of corner threes, but from above the break, um, he was getting those... He was getting those looks in scrimmages and in, of course, like, just doing drills. Um, but, like, when when he was... When he was hoisting it up, uh, regardless, he was, he was efficient. And, of course, like... I hope that's able to translate to actual game time play. I don't know if it will. Um, but I think he's like when he's on the floor, he's going to be more uh, opt to take to take more this year and hopefully make more because I mean he didn't he didn't take a whole lot last year. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I'm glad you pointed out because talking with him, you know, just he always he wasn't afraid to talk about how much he has on the table offensively being able to expand his range and even try to put the ball on the floor occasionally and, you know, create his own shot. And I think we've seen bits and pieces of it, especially last year, what he's capable to do offensively because we know he's kind of that energizer bunny, uh, down low defensively, always runs, you know, always seems to be around the ball. So if he's able to tap into that offensive potential that we know he's capable of, once again, that just adds a whole other element to our team as a whole. Yeah, he shot twenty threes last year. Made seven of them. Seven of them at a so that's a thirty five percent clip. You'll take that. Um, he's going to shoot more than twenty this year, by virtue yeah. of playing more games, and by virtue of just him being, I think, a better shooter than last year. A part of the offense too. It's just kind of what we, kind of what we are. You know, we're not yeah. afraid to hoist them up. We aren't. And yeah, and that's Alford's, what kind of separates us. Alford has like made that pretty clear too. Um, that he or that we're gonna shoot a lot of threes. We're gonna shoot. I'm trying to get to the line a lot too. Um, I again, they shoot. They shot free throws after every um, like scrimmage they did, just as like kind of like a break. Um, he looked good in that too. Like I don't. I think that'll. He shot 68.9% from the free throw line last year. I could see that improving. That's that's up from his 64.2%. So hopefully there's, I mean, not all growth is linear, but hopefully like he's able to keep improving. Um, yeah. But it's oh, also just a question of like how many minutes does he get off the bench? That's also like, because he started most of the time, or not most of the time last year, but um, he started like a small portion of the season. And I wonder um, if that will again grows or decreases i mean he started five games last year 
um, in 26 games. So it's like it wasn't like a big sample of starting playing time at all. But I still think that like there'll be times where he does start and he will produce. Like I strongly do believe he led the team in blocks. Like energy. Yeah. Energy. No, I'm glad you spoke about that development. All right. That's. Do you have anything else to add on basketball? No, sir. You hit the nail on the head. Good job. Um, I really hope they do one of those practices again. Nevada has a scrimmage on November 1st, um, Monday, November 1st, at 7 p.m. at Lawler Event Center. They, I think they'll be going up against Dominican College. Um, that's just a, that's a, uh, Nevada's first game of the season. Um, it's just right around the corner, man. Nevada basketball is going to be back. Let's do it. Anyways, that's all. That's enough with basketball. We'll tackle football. Wow. But now I'm with the puns. Tackle football. We'll we'll tackle football uh, after the break. And we are back um, with Nevada football. Nevada, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, but Nevada beat Hawaii this weekend, 34-17. Um, Carson Strong was good again, 34 for 54. Uh, 395 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Toa Tawa, 21 carries for 84 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Um, he accounted for Nevada's first two touchdowns of the game. Um, Cole Turner had a career performance, 12 catches for um, 175 yards with a blocked punt. Um, his, he said after the game it was his first career like blocked punt. He said that was like cooler than scoring a touchdown, which I thought was funny. Uh, um, but Nevada had a Another just good all-around performance. Got off to a little bit of a slow start. Had a three-point first quarter. Um, the up-the-middle run play for Hawaii began very effectively uh, with Day-Day Hunter running 75 yards to the house on the first play of the game. Um, he had another 81-yarder on like a similar play uh, late in the game. Um, it was like it was it was odd. Um, we don't usually see those type of uh, miscues from the Nevada uh, run defense for as like kind of shaky as it's been this year. Um, at least in the beginning of the year. We just didn't really like see those type of plays from them, but um, Nevada was still able to prevail with the win. If, if Hunter didn't score either of those touchdowns, Nevada would have won the game, or Nevada wouldn't have, would have won the game by not allowing a touchdown um, because Hawaii's only other points were um, a field goal um, later in the game, but Nevada wouldn't have allowed a touchdown. And uh, Henley, after the game, said that was like, I think Duke, Duke Rittenhouse from RGJ like pointed out that stat, and Henley was like, "Man, that's deflating." Like <laughs> he was like, "That's a little bit of a letdown." Like just if if they if that didn't happen, but uh, Isaiah uh, thoughts on the game on uh, Nevada. This is Nevada's second conference win of the year, and they have again a like a big test this weekend, as we again talked about, and we'll talk about um a little bit later. But what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean the biggest takeaway for me was just. We're not trying to say the emergence because he's already here, but just the blossoming of what Cole Turner has become for us these past two years is something so delightful. It's something our offense needed so badly, that plug down the middle, physical. I mean, what more do you want from an offensive tight end perspective? He he can really do it Blocking. all. Blocking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, outside of a blocking, just we we say it so much that he's – a skillful receiver, a skillful receiver trapped in a tight end's body, and what he's able to do with the ball in his hands, and just being able to go up and high point the football on so many occasions is 
it's just so impressive. And you see the connection between him and Strong. It's something that it's truly it's a beauty. It's a thing of beauty sometimes. Like it's it's so nice to see. Strong relied on him so much, and it was like it was nonstop. It was nonstop, but it was like a good like I think yeah, I treated from the pack, Mister Reliable. Mister, thank you, Mister Reliable. Like That's... it was, I. I don't know. I've been on this train for a while. Like he is Strong's favorite third down, third like third and eleven down the seam. Um, we'll just get it to Turner for a thirteen yard gain. Move the chains first down. Like he's that perfect kind of guy. It's not Dubs. It's not really Stovall. It's not Horton. It's not Horton. It's no like, one it, out of the backfield. Like Turner's the top guy. Like I don't have any numbers to back that up. Um, this is pure eye test, not something I usually like shift to, but like it's I don't I don't know. Like you can't really especially after this last week, and you can't really back me off that. He's the definition, and I'm not trying to say it. When I think of a, a safety blanket, I think of someone that converts and then just kind of like gets what you need. Cole Turner is so much more than that mm-hmm. to this offense, and you see it. He's able to, you know, just be that cog down the middle, burn you down the seams. He's a mismatch waiting to happen. You can't really put a linebacker on him because he has so much he's the ultimate mismatch he's just a stud and you know he will outman out physical that's a not a word but you know he'll out physical out physical is that a i don't think that's a, is that a just, word yeah, i don't know you could use it in a you know, out body him he'll body defensive backs and just outrun <laughs> linebackers and just what he's done to our offense has been a thing of beauty these past two years and you know we've talked Turner's had some games this year. Yeah. But we've talked, you know, Dubs has had his, uh, Stovall's had his, Horton had his come out game. Mm-hmm. But to see Cole Turner do this just really shows the, you know, the development of our offense. It's awesome. Yeah, don't be surprised. Tory Horton goes off for like 200 yards this week. And he sees Fresno State and he sees lunch meat. He does. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but anyways, uh, another thing I want to talk about is the defense. Another five sack game, two sacks from Tristan Nichols. Dom had a sack on the edge, and it was just like Nevada leads the nation in sacks at twenty seven, and they lead the nation in sacks per game with four and a half. Like this is so much different than what we saw last year, dude. This is like, like I mean, with the exception of the Tulane game, Nevada had fifteen sacks through the first eight regular season or through the eight regular season games last year before they had eight um, against uh, Tulane in that bowl game. This is just so much different, dude. Like. Tristan Nichols leads the nation in sacks with eight. Like, when's the last time? I don't, is that, do you know when the last time is Nevada's had a player who's lead, led the nation in sacks at some point during the season that isn't like the second game? No. I mean, I mean I'm sure I mean, there's been, been a time. It's been a time, but I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's getting like maybe ridiculous. Maybe Malik Reed, like maybe like Brett Roy. Like, like we're, we're going back to Malik Reed like, days. It's been like a Dante, while. Like Dante Mo. like I don't, like there's, uh, it's it's been incredible, man. It's been Truly, and he still isn't listed on the depth chart. Is that some? Is that like his athletics? Like, all right, we're not going to put him on the depth chart. We're just gonna if he keeps if he if he keeps seeing not seeing his name on the depth chart, he's gonna just keep racking up multi sack games. Like, is that like a theory that we're having with athletics? I don't know. Maybe it's the secret weapon at this point. Like, yeah, don't let yeah. them know about Tristan Nichols. Yeah, like, <laughs> our boy T Nicks. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's it. I don't think he likes to go by T Nicks, so I'm not going to call him that. All right. Well, shout out T Nicks. Wow, you just like broke your own rule in like five seconds. That's what I do. New record. Um, but like, I don't. 
is that like a motivation for? I don't. I don't know. Kind of just want to ask him. I don't know if he really knows or pays attention or cares. Hey, do you know you're on the death chart? You're not <laughs> on the death chart. <laughs> <laughs> it just like it doesn't make sense to me. Like what? Like I know he's in on like second and third downs and in like long like down and distance situations. Um, it's usually like Hammond, Dom, like Zach, and like Tumor out there. But it's still like what? What are we doing? Like I don't. He leads the nation in sacks, Isaiah. It's ridiculous. Like. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of players. I don't know if you knew this. There's a lot of football players. There's a lot of defensive ends that play Division I football out there. He leads the nation. Like he, he, there's, there's not a single uh, breath of soul who has more sacks in the nation than Tristan Nichols does right now. That could change in a week. That could change in two weeks. But it just, it but just right goes now, to show. Right now, he leads the nation in sacks. Please put him on the depth chart at Nevada Athletics. Um. I hope we didn't. Get, I hope we don't get in trouble for like saying that. No, <laughs> uh, but like still, like please. It, but if it's hey, if it's a motivating factor, don't. <laughs> um, but I think what third straight game, five plus sacks for the Wolfpack. Game changing. We've talked about how this defense needed to make plays early on during the year. Yep. Uh, it's answered that and then some. I mean, what this defense is doing is. Honestly, more impressive than the offense. Yeah, and they had three interceptions um, this last week, and Henley Henley had two with uh, five tackles. Um, he's had three interceptions on the year, leads the team. Uh, no, no, Wolfpack had four interceptions last week. We're talking about Braden Shager um, through four of them. He had, uh, I think, all coming in the second half. Not all coming in the second half. Um but nevertheless, man, like it's like that. Yeah, it's a ridiculous. A lot of havoc plays. It is, plays. and it, I just hope it continues. And you know, we're going to need it against Fresno State. I know we'll get right into that. And overall, though, just a dominant performance once again on both sides. It's easy seeing what this team is capable of. And now that we have some games under our belt in the conference play, now we're rolling. We're rolling a little bit. I mean, it's it's been fun to watch and. Something to really build off of for sure. Yeah, I wonder if Nevada could carry that momentum into uh, Fresno State. Fresno State had two of its worst offensive performances over the last couple of weeks. Um, on October second, we know what we talked about a little bit when we previewed Hawaii how they had the six turnover game. Hayner had four picks. They had two fumbles. I think one was also from Hayner. So Hayner accounted for five of the six turnovers. Um, and then this last weekend, they only threw they they didn't even get to 100 passing yards. Um, they didn't eclipse 300 like total yards. They only had 15 first downs, all of which were season lows against Wyoming. They were still like kind of like they they crawled to a 17-0 victory. Um, they shut out Hawaii or not Hawaii, they Wyoming, um, who's also been another like. I mean, I think they're owing. I think they're. I don't think they have a winning conference yet, but I still think like that's a good team um, that they got. Um, again, they limited Jay Kaner and a potent Fresno State offense to 17 points. Is that like, was that a trap game for Fresno State? Just because they had Nevada up on the schedule next? I certainly hope not. Um, I st- Again, I think that that's just an aberration of a performance. I can't expect that to happen. I don't foresee that happening again two straight weeks. Just lackluster offensive play. I don't think that's like in the realm of possibility. There's just too much firepower offensively. Right. Um Jay Kaner leads the conference in passing. He's thrown for twenty three, over twenty three hundred yards, twenty touchdowns. Um, 
he is second to strong in uh completion percentage he's he he he's his completion percentage is like one tenth like lower than strong's um he leads the conference in pass efficiency pass efficiency rating if there's a player who would win the mountain west player of the year today i think it would be hayner um again a little bit more prone to turnovers but uh, i still think he would win that award if again if the season ended today um ronnie rivers hasn't been like uber super duper spectacular like he has been in the past but he still is third in the conference in yards from scrimmage um, he's got over seven of 700 of those bad boys um has a few touchdowns under his belt. He's always a threat out of the backfield in the receiving game um, and in the run game, um, which I expect them to use him a lot in both on this weekend, especially with Nevada's quick pass rush. I believe he was, I think he's going to get a lot of like quick swing passes. He's going to get a lot of uh, screen passes. Um, they're going to run the ball with him. Um, they got Jalen Cropper, who leads the nation in touchdown catches with 10. So good. Ridiculous. He had Ridiculous what, five. I can't, he had five against. Four or five. I can't remember who it was against for some reason. My mind's blanking on me. He had like just a few weeks ago. It wasn't Hawaii. It wasn't Wyoming. I didn't want to say it was like Utah was State. It, I thought it was something like yeah. that. Might have been you. Know, like it was just. It might. It was just ridiculous. Um, like he's he is the ultimate red zone. If we're within thirty yards, we're looking for this guy type of receiver. And, um, he leads the team in catches and yards as well. Um, Zane Pope is good. Carrick Wheat falls good. Um, they just got a lot of guys. They got a lot of skill position weapons. There, it's almost on par with Nevada. Oh yeah, it's being completely honest. It's I think it's right up there. It yeah. really is. I mean, we have a diverse skill set in our passing game, but what they're able to do in the run game and with Rivers out of the backfield, with guys like Wheatfall, Jalen Copper, what he's been doing this year, just goes to show. And you know, I think you got to give yourself a pat on the back because you talked up Fresno State in the preseason what you liked, what they were bringing offensively, and um, the coaching regime in place with... Kalen DeBoer. Thank you, Kalen DeBoer. Um, and you know what? I know that they were at the high of their highs after the win against UCLA, which was an absolutely crazy game, but we, we still know how legit this program is. This is not a tough... This is not an easy test whatsoever going on the road against Fresno State. But it makes sense why Nevada's dogs. I, it, it does. It really does. I mean, it's... Fresno State's legit. They got so many playmakers. They can burn you in so many different facets. And Jake Hayner can legitimately take over games with his right arm if given the opportunity. And the defense is opportunistic. They make some plays when they need to. Um, You know, not the biggest... What am I trying to say? Like, not the biggest threats every single time out, but whenever they're able to make plays and make timely stops, and get the ball back in Hayner's hands. It's a dangerous formula, and we've seen that show up time and time again for Fresno State. Their last, their performance these past couple, two, three weeks, has been a little uncharacteristic in a way, but still, we know what they are as a program, and this is a serious, serious game coming up. This is when you circle on the schedule. Yeah, last year, I mean, Hayner, he wasn't as efficient, but he gave Nevada some troubles. I mean, Nevada won 37-26. It felt like it could have gone the other way. I mean, at certain points in that game, especially in the second half, uh, I mean, Hayner threw, he completed 63% of his passes for 485 yards and two touchdowns. Nearly threw for 500. Easy money. Yeah. And so it's like, this isn't like Ronnie Rivers ran for 69 yards. Um, 
Cropper and Wheatfall both had 100-yard games. Like, this is this is a very – like, this team could explode for some – I mean, they've been very good early in games, too, this year. Um, this team is gonna, this team can, like, really, like, move the chains and uh, air it out. Um, and I expect the same – regardless of how good Nevada's pass rushers, I expect the same on uh, Saturday. It's just going to be a battle of the offenses, a battle of the quarterbacks. Which one's going to be better? Which one's going to be more effective? Which defense is going to be better? Um I think those are all important. Who will commit the fewest penalties? Who will commit the fewest turnovers? Like I think all those things are questions that have to go Nevada's way, or at least most of them, in order to win this game. I really uh, do. I'm totally with you every step of the way. I mean, it's going to be this could legitimately be a game of penalties, certain plays being made, dating just the smallest of things that give one team the edge over the other. Because when you have two high fire, high fire, my goodness, the words today. When you have two high-power offenses that are performing at this type of level, you need something to kind of break your way on one end or the other, and it can come down to that for sure. Yeah, and it's not like like you hit a little bit on the defense, but like they've also been – Fresno State's defense has been almost as – not elite, but like they've been as effective as Nevada. Like uh, David Prowlis, Aaron Mosby, like Kevin Atkins, like those are three dudes on the defensive front. They also ran a 4 2 5 like Nevada, um, as a team collectively, they're third in the nation in tackles for loss um, with 56. So it's like they're going to get in the backfield, like they're going to cause they're going to cause trouble. Um, they're also they're also third in tackles for loss per game. Like this team is like it's going to be two great offenses versus two like aggressive, nasty, feisty defensive fronts. Um, and I just wonder who comes out on top and who has the advantage in the in that kind of like minor matchup it's going to be exciting to see it's going to be something to really watch develop and can't wait till saturday i'll tell you that much for sure prediction okay i've been thinking about this one how long you know uh seven years five minutes minutes. (laughs) um you know i'm kicking myself for not believing in nevada as road dog at boise state i'm gonna redeem myself this is gonna be an absolute shootout in my mind um, Strong and Hainer go back and forth, mixing in some run game. I expect Rivers to have a pretty damn good game, but at the same time, I think Toa Tower is going to hold his own. He's strung together great performances, him and Devontae Lee. With that being said, I'm going 41-33 Nevada in an absolute shootout. Okay. I think... Do you want to know how I think the game script pans out? Let's hear it. I think... They're gonna. Both teams are gonna run the ball more than we think, just to keep the other offense off the field. Um, Fresno State's secondary has also been really good. We, I just forgot to mention that. Um, they're third in the conference in opponent pass efficiency rating allowed. They're second in pass defense. Um, Nevada, Nevada's not quite as good in those two categories. Um, so I think Nevada's gonna be looking to run the ball more. They haven't had a whole lot of success this year, as we've talked about in the past. Um, but I still think they'll be able to uh, run the ball at certain down and distance situations. I expect Nevada to continue its quick pass game just to kind of move the chains and move the ball down the field. I don't think they're going to rely as much as the deep passes as they did last year. Um, but I don't – I so I think it's going to be lower scoring than what you think. I still do think it's going to be like a shootout. But I'm more in like the high 20s, low 30s range. I genuinely don't know who's going to win. And we need to know. 
Who are you going with? Go with your gut. As of right now, Thursday. I mean, this is always subject to change, but... Yeah, okay, unofficial prediction. 31-28 back. I love it. Brandon Talton. Last second field goal. I love it. Win the game. Drive down, get in the field goal range, and send him. Get a happy bus ride back home. Maybe not a bus ride. What else would it be? You think they're flying there? I don't think they're flying there. I don't know. Maybe they're I don't know. I, I, listen, I don't, I don't make the travel plans. I have no idea. But no. So I don't know why I said that with such, like, assertiveness. Like, you were <laughs> What? You crazy, Isaiah? No, I don't I'm happy we both believe in the pack this week, though. I know it's Thursday. I know it's early prediction. Dude, I could. I like it. I could change that. Same. Like, if you, if you were to tell me Fresno State would win the game... I don't know if I can give you an argument. I'm totally with you. I just redeeming myself and believing in Nevada on the road needs to happen. Um, you have anything else, man? No, sir. Um, thank you for listening. Give us a five star rating. Don't forget to watch Caleb Martin play basketball for Miami today. Um, shameless plug. Uh, give us a five star rating. Like and subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you.